Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. You're here again with Casey and John is with me as always. John has lined up another one of our excellent interviews for our How to Build a Brand series. John, I'm excited for this one. What have you been up to lately? You know, not up to much. Just uh, launching another show, right? Launching a launching a sports podcast. Um, so you know, if you're if you're sport if you're watching Modern Commerce, you probably do like sports. Uh, so check that one out. Um, maybe we'll link it up in the show notes or something like that. But today, I am excited about the guest that we have with us uh, today. We have Marvin Atik, founder of Bottle House, a premium online liquor boutique. Uh, this should be a good one. This should be fun. We haven't, we haven't done anything 21 plus yet. So Marvin, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 100. Uh, so tell me a little bit about you, about your background and, uh, like how you kind of got this, this whole thing started, you know, give me the, give me the, the, uh, credibility indicators as they say. Yeah. So, you know, not much credibility in the alcohol space. I'll tell you that (laughs) when I started out in e-commerce, I was doing luxury goods. So, you know, rare watches, uh, Birkins, rare Louis Vuitton goods. And um, I kind of pivoted when COVID hit. Um, we were developing an online liquor store, but then we ironically launched March 17, 2020, which if you remember is literally doomsday right when everything yeah. hit. Um, and we thought it was two weeks to stop the spread like everybody else. So we just kept doubling up our ad spend, but then two weeks turned into two months, turned into two years. And we really just used the wave of COVID to kind of fuel our business. Yeah, I, I mean that that was like a really really good time to start an online liquor boutique. Um, so, I mean, t- talk to me about like, but you know, part of the the point of this series is to to get an idea of uh, the ups, downs, positives, unique advantages and disadvantages of uh, launching different kinds of e-commerce businesses. So, I mean, talk to me a, li- a little bit about that for liquor, right? Like, what is it that's that? Uh, what is it that's nice about launching, you know, an online liquor store? Uh, what and what is it that's challenging about it? Well, I'll start off with the challenge. I mean, um, it's not that easy to get into the liquor business, especially if you're shipping liquor. Um, there's a lot of logistics there, a lot of licensing that you need, a lot of regulation to follow. So. Um, set aside a healthy budget for legal fees um, to make sure that you're doing everything in accordance with state guidelines. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not that easy, but it's a great business to be in. Uh, lots of growth happening. There's a lot of consumers in the United States that still don't know you can purchase liquor online. So there's a lot of room for growth for really everybody in the space. So I would say, yeah, growth is... Gotcha. Got you. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, so I, I think one of the other challenges as it comes to direct to consumer is, uh, I mean, supply right? or, or, or not necessarily supply, but supplier. It's not like you didn't like launch a, like a signature liquor that is yours, right? Like you're, you're supplying stuff that, I mean, you, you got a, you got a liquor license you had to, or whatever, you know, you need to do to sell like that. There is some barrier to entry there, but aside from that, like, you know, you're selling, the same thing that any other like liquor store, local liquor store, online liquor store could sell, you know, you're selling the same, uh, overall brands, you know, so you're essentially a retailer. Like, is that a challenge? Because, you know, you can, you can't really get any, I mean, maybe you can, 
but it seems like you can't really gain any advantage in terms of supply chain or costs, cost of goods sold, anything like that. Well, actually, there's a lot of advantages there because um, a traditional liquor store has about two to 300 SKUs. And so when you're in the online space and you're shipping directly, you can have two to 300, you, you can have two to 3,000, you can have 20,000 SKUs because there's you know products everywhere. So being online really gives you that, that capability. Um, and then with supply chain and having you know lower cost of goods, if you're purchasing a lot, as you know, that drives the price of your overall cost down um, per SKU or per product. And that can give you some serious, serious advantages when, when marking up that cost. Got you. So, so one of the things I like to talk about is uh, specifically moats, right? Like what was it? I mean, cause, cause we'll go through essentially the tactics of how you guys launched, how you grew all of that. Um, but I do want to go through, you know, first, what is it that you had or what, you know, what things the, like, why couldn't somebody recreate this? I mean, I think one we already covered is timing. Uh, I think if you launched the same business today, you, you probably wouldn't have that like instant sort of profitability on ad spend maybe, but uh, are there, are there moats, you know, competitive unique advantages that you guys had um, in your business? For the first year? No, we were just like anybody else in the space um, kind of advertising or positioning ourselves as like, the lowest online, like come get your cheap booze at, you know, at the bottle house. And it was just quick because like we said, you know, we didn't know if it was two weeks, two months, two years. And so we didn't really have a strategy there, but as year two came around of COVID and things were, you know, a lot more serious and they were still locked down and still masks and people were, were still scared um, to shop the grocery store. We started to position ourselves as more as a, as a luxury boutique. So, um, carrying products like Louis the 13th, um, rare Dom Perignons, collaborations, um, barrel proofs, like all these types of different um, uh, sets of bottles. And that really repositioned us from the cheap liquor store to the luxury liquor store. And that was our main focus all of 2021. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Like at first you just kind of took advantage of the time period, but then you figured like, you figured out like, I, we really need to like carve out a niche for ourselves in liquor. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, we're going to dig in. I want to dig into like the kind of tactics you used and, and how you figured out how to uh, carve out that niche or what niche you, you know, carved out. Um, but first we're going to, we're going to pop really quick to a, a quick ad read from our sponsors, uh, pencil. Casey, you are an absolute beast right now. You're turning out so many creatives across multiple brands. What is it that is so hard about producing such a high volume of creatives? Why can't a lot, why can't more brands do it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say if you're doing it the right way, of course, um, you should be always analyzing your, your past ads, you know, the things you've already turned out, your most recent uh, test group that you've put out. Um, and that should inform your next round of creation, not just go all willy nilly about it. So I would say that's why it's difficult to speed up that process is because it's always kind of a two pronged approach of, of analyzing and creation, really. So how is it that you are able to do that across like 12 to 15 accounts? Yeah, I mean, it does get pretty wild. But honestly, when I use pencil, it's not as bad. Uh, pencil is a tool that I use. It, it's got AI that'll help determine what my best ads are. It'll even break it down into the best elements of those ads. And in that platform, it'll automatically generate new ads for me to launch. And I can push them live straight from the platform uh, into Facebook, IG, 
Um, it also works great for other platforms as well, like TikTok, whatever you're on, really. If you sound like me and you're always in the weeds with your creatives, use our promo code. Go to trypencil.com, use promo code modcom15. You'll save 15% off on any paid plan. One more time, that's trypencil.com, modcom15. Save 15% off any paid plan they have there. And uh, back to the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Uh, that was totally live. I changed shirts really quick, came back, you know? Yeah. Look at you. Like that was a quick change too, Casey. You even put on, oh no, you had the same hat. You changed shirts though too. Um, no, for real pencil, super awesome tool. Uh, but we're here with Marvin, still here with Marvin, uh, from, from ball house, uh, Marvin. So I am interested though. Like why liquor? Like what, like how, how did you get into Like, are you just like, yeah, I mean, I like to drink. So like that, I decided to sell other people liquor too. So actually, I don't drink that much. I'm, I'm not really. <laughs> I, I'm. I, drink, I like wine every now and then, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really drink. I don't like the way it makes me feel feel afterwards. But I do appreciate the unique culture around liquor, and um, there's a very large tribe around bourbon and wines and rare tequilas. So I love seeing how passionate some of our customers are about these new releases. Um, but my family's been in the business for 25 years now. And so I've been around it all my life and I've been able to see how successful some of these brands could get. And really it was just the luck of the draw with, with COVID with the way we started. Right. So, okay. That's interesting. Your family's been in the business. So it's like, you know, are you guys like, I mean, do you know the liquor market super well, right? Because it, it's like, when you tell me, you know, uh, yeah, I'm actually not really a consumer of the market. Like, I, I like, I look, you know, I don't think that you have to be a consumer in the market that you launch. And I know, you know, dudes who sell women's clothing, like, you know, or whatever, but, um, you do have to know the market. And a lot of times we say that there needs to be somebody at the brand. Who's like a brand champion who, who really is like the avatar, the person. So I'm interested in this because, uh, I know you grew on the back of COVID and you were just selling, you know, whatever people wanted, uh, at the time. And, and maybe there just weren't that many, you know, major competitors online. So it was just like, Hey, people wanted to drink lots more people wanted to drink and they wanted to drink more. And so we had stuff and they bought it. Um, but it got to a point, right. Where, and we were kind of talking about this off screen. It got to a point where you're like, okay, you know, now they can go buy it at the liquor store again. Now they can buy it. You know, there's other, there's other emerging brands online. We need to carve out a niche. How, when you don't know the market, right? Like how, when you don't know the world of liquor, do you figure out, you know, who, who are we really going to cater to and who are going to be our customers? Yeah. So even though I don't drink, I do understand the market very well based off of, so the first year of the business, I was running the entire customer service team by myself. So I was answering everything. So I, I definitely heard the consumer needs for it, especially our own customers. On top of it, I analyzed our data from A to Z. Um, every week, we would take team meetings and we would see what our customers were looking for, what the trends were in the market during COVID, outside of COVID, when things kind of opened up again. And on top of it, since our family's been in the business 25 years, we have insights to over 4,000 liquor stores at our fingertips, what they're buying, how they're buying, when they're buying. And that's really changed a lot for our personal business. I got you. So, I mean, that to me, that's a, that's a moat as well. That's an advantage. And I, I've talked to some other brands on who are like apparel brands. Um, and almost always any brand that launches any kind of like new thing in apparel, right? So here's a new way to do pants, right? Here's jeans that stretch. Here's uh, shirts that, you know, magically make every 
every dude looks super ripped, you know, whatever it is. Anybody who launches a new thing in apparel almost always has some kind of like background in textiles, background in fabrics, background in apparel. Um, and it sounds like that was kind of like, a, it's like maybe a similar thing in the, in the world of liquor. Like, are, do you have competitors that don't have some kind of background in liquor or maybe, maybe you don't know, but like, is that kind of like a prerequisite? Do you think? I think it depends on which portion of the business that you're working on. If you're working on growth and marketing, you really don't need to know much about liquor. You need to know more about e-commerce and how to scale a digital business. But if you're focusing on inventory, um, and purchasing inventory, of course, then yeah, you should know trends around liquor and you should be very well versed in that. It's like um, if somebody's building um, a software company and they're a software manager, they should know how to write code or else it's not, you know, they're, they're useless at that point. Yeah, I got you. So so tell me what uh, niche, you know, within the world of liquor that you guys focused in on and, and why you chose that one. Yeah, it was bourbon for sure. We just noticed yeah. how profitable bourbon was and how- Specifically like higher end stuff, right? Like yeah, even even the lower end stuff like Buffalo Trace, okay. you know, just the regular stuff. People were all over it. Um, you know, a product, our top product last year was Crown Royal Peach, which Crown Royal is like not that great of a whiskey, but uh, people were all over Crown Royal Peach. It was like liquid gold. If we could have got, you know, a thousand cases per week, we would have sold out of those thousand cases. So it was really tough to get. And the minute we got some, it was all sold out. Um and so that's a low end product that we, that costs us about 20 bucks. And we were able to sell it for some months at 65 when the grocery store right on the corner for me was selling it for 22. So it was just, it was crazy. Um, the demand for some of the lower end liquors and then the higher end stuff like Pappy Van Winkle or Blanton's bourbon were also like, if we had a thousand cases of them, we would have sold out immediately because you have those collectors in the market that are all over that. And, some people buy those products to drink, others buy them to sit on and then sell in a year because a lot of them are appreciating 80 to 200 oh, year over year. So similar to the wine market, like it right. actually appreciates. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, I, I, I told Casey in the chat to jump back in here because Casey has a, a unique skill. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm the only one on this podcast right now who drinks. I'm sitting backstage. So I know, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like really I, don't, I don't drink at all. <laughs> Marvin's like, I don't really drink that much. Casey's yeah. like, I drink a lot. So, uh, yeah. So maybe no, like uh, a fun little discount code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, give you a discount code. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so Casey has a unique skill. Uh, if you've ever been to like an event or anything with Casey, then count yourself lucky because he doesn't, you know, go to those very much. But uh, Casey used to be a bartender. And uh, he usually like can ask someone a few questions and, and get a pretty good, like within a guess or two, he'll know what their drink's going to be. So based on, I, I asked Casey to come back in here because I'm wondering, Casey, based on the kinds of uh, liquors Marvin's like bottle house sells, can you give me like a stereotype? Can you give me like a customer profile, a customer avatar? And then Marvin, you tell, tell, if it, tell us if it's accurate. Yeah, so you've been out of the game for a minute. I know exactly. The skill is a little (laughs) rusty, but uh, in my experience, at least back when I was bartending, I mean, you mentioned bourbons, and honestly, the first thing I think of when I hear bourbons is I think of like businessmen, like at noon, like (laughs) (laughs) cheers. Oh God, we can make this deal, you know. Uh, But in reality, um, I do. I don't know that they're business people, but I dealt with a lot of people on vacations. I did see a lot of that like older male demographic um as kind of the heavy bourbon drinkers and then weirdly enough like the other main thing that popped up would be like younger 
females who kind of wanted to like, no, I'm, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. drink bourbon too. Like that kind of thing. Uh -huh. And when you said peach, uh, crown Royal, that's immediately where my brain goes to. It's like, Oh, it's crown Royal. You get the, the, uh, the street cred of drinking some like whiskey liqueur thing. Uh, right. but it's peach flavored. So you're like, Oh, you get to kind of, so what, what are your main demographics? I I'm guessing maybe some younger females and maybe, maybe older, uh, interesting for e-commerce. I don't know if, Right. Yeah, I don't know if it we'll is. see if it translates, but yeah. Oh yeah. What do you got? How close was he? A little close. The older men part was definitely where we're at. Um, uh, but you, you mentioned corporate. We get a lot of corporate people, um, especially for gifting, interesting. but you, you'd be surprised. It's, it's a lot of farmers. It's a lot of people in the Midwest, uh, especially when I was running customer service. I mean, the accents were very heavy on like that. Where my damn bourbon. Like I, you know, <laughs> you're ready for it. Um, a lot of people like thought of us as like a same day delivery service, like Drizzly. Um, we ship within 24 to 48 hours. So some people who didn't get that memo would like call two hours after an order and be like, as you guys are taking too damn long, cancel my order. So I got a really good <laughs> yeah, idea. Be drunk by now. Yeah. <laughs> that shifted. That was that first year of COVID when we were really focused on like being the cheapest online and having the lowest oh. prices. But once we shifted to being more of a luxury player, we got more of those corporate um, events. We did one with Spotify, did one with Google, CarMax, mm -hmm. Tom Ford. And when we started to get those, a lot of corporations and other people that attended those events were coming and shopping with us again. And they were typically more affluent. Yeah. Oh, so I noticed a couple of things on your site. I mean, I don't know what to compare you guys to because I don't know. Casey's already like... placed the, like an order. He's like, yeah, it's, it's on its way. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what to compare you guys to because you're obviously not like a traditional liquor store. But uh, yeah, you mentioned like the corporate offering. Like I noticed this kind of concierge kind of service you guys have here um, as well as like the celebrity spirits. I mean, do you have any uh, anything else you could mention about those? Those are kind of unique things that I don't think, you know, a lot of people drink alcohol, but not a lot of them go to a website and look at celebrity booze collections or like corporate <laughs> offerings. Like, could you elaborate on those a little bit for us? Yeah. So like the corporate offerings were very popular during COVID of course, because everybody was working from home and companies wanted to make sure that there was, you know, still good morale. So they were sending sometimes up to 2000 orders for one event and it would be, you know, uh, a deck of cards or like a cigar or like, um, okay. uh, Perrier plus a bourbon or a tequila or some all different types of stuff, and we would create these little bundles for them, and we would send them to all of their all of their employees or um, stakeholders, gotcha. and that was super popular for us. But even post COVID, that's still super popular. We just did a virtual wine tasting event with Shopify, which was awesome. And yeah, there's there's different yeah uh, corporations that are still very interested in doing this. Um, you mentioned celebrity spirits, which is huge for us because um, those guys got a hefty marketing budget. So when we're able to collaborate with them in a certain way, whether that's via social media or somewhere else, um, we can kind of merge our tribes together and build our personal community off of their back because they're doing the hard work. And their celebrities that are behind those brands have done hard work all their lives to be able to you know, slap their name on something and have that instant recognition for that brand. That is what I find that it those things are valuable, but not all celebrities or people of notoriety always know how to like leverage that status into right. like a sales opportunity. And that's where like these kinds of partnerships can really be valuable on both sides. For sure. Very interesting. I'm pretty sure Casey was just like, I'm working for the wrong company. What like how come we're not getting <laughs> that kind of corporate gift? So so tell me how you grew. Like let, let's get a little bit tactical here. Uh 
I mean, COVID, uh, you can, can you can uh, advertise on Facebook, correct? Right. Yeah, you can yeah. advertise. There's a little bit of. Um, you have to be an authorized reseller, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh -huh. um, um, and go ahead. I mean, growth was really during COVID, of course. Um, to give you some context, we were only focusing on PPC for that first year because we didn't know when it was ending. And our PPC return was insane. To give gotcha. you a bit of context there, for every $100 we were spending on ad spend on Google, we received 3000 in sales. So we were doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling until that wow. just, you know, kind of skyrocketed or, or plateaued. And um, it never really plateaued for that first year. It was just instant growth. Um, and then year two came around and they, some states started to open up again and cost per acquisition started to rise. So we need to pivot and refocus um, our efforts on different channels. Then we introduced SMS, affiliate, email, SEO, and the, that really drove cost per acquisition down. Oh, I'm sorry. The lights just went off. Let me go ahead and walk around <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, all good. Um, so cool. Are you still there? Like, can you still hear me? I'm here. All right. Yeah, we'll give him a we'll give him a sec. Uh, but yeah, no, I I uh, appreciate you hopping in, Casey. Yeah, the um, I forgot where I left off. Yeah, so we we lowered cost per acquisition by introducing some other channels, and that really kind of changed the dynamic of our business because um, building that organic and direct audience built a stronger tribe for us. So more people were just like. I've shopped, shopped with them before. I've seen them organically through social or they're texting me all the time. I'm always getting emails for them. So we were top of mind for them. Rather than on Google, they would have to go and search online liquor, liquor delivery near me, Crown Royal Peach for sale. That And then they were finding us amongst other competitors. And if we were lucky, they purchased from us. Got you. Um, okay, so you were, you were pretty heavy Google PPC and you were, and we're not talking brand terms, you were, you were just certain like random searcher. I mean, you were getting a 30X ROAS, so a 30X return. Definitely understand just pumping more money into Google there. Um, sorry, what were you gonna say? In the beginning, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that 30X didn't last you know, crazy long. It was probably about six, seven months. I, yeah, that's pretty long for a 30X, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good time. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to launch a liquor brand. Um, you guys so, might have been dipping so, into your own uh, your own supply there for a minute, just celebrating all the time. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were pretty content with what was happening. Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, uh, if you so moral of the story, I mean, I think is if you want to launch a liquor brand, go back in time, build a time machine. <laughs> um, so no, that I mean that's great. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, heavy into Google Ads. Um, at what point did it stop be so so you said it lasted about six to seven months uh is ppc still a pretty big part of the media mix like did did you get to a point where you were getting diminishing returns on it to the point where you're like oh i think this might actually get us to like where we're not profitable on our paid ad spend anymore um was it headed that direction or did it get there and you know and what was that pivot like yeah it got there so that was kind of like a rude awakening for us was um you know, we weren't focusing on organic and direct because PPC was doing so well. But then like in one season, things kind of changed in the macro climate. Things changed uh, for individuals around the world as restrictions opened up so that that CPA rose significantly fast. And we hadn't built the infrastructure on organic and direct in order to just swiftly pivot or have that kind of balance everything out. So then we took about four months to invest 
a lot of resources into that. And that really did the trick to correct that cost per acquisition. Yeah, I got you. So um, <clears throat> you, uh, and that was, that was like when you niched down pretty much. Yeah. Um, I would say around the same time, a little bit after actually. Got you. Um, I have a question here. So now that depending on who you ask, uh, COVID is either ramping down a little or over or however you want to call it. Um, now that that kind of prime time for you has, has mostly gone away, you know, those, those 30 ROAS days, um, I wonder what the adoption rate is or the continued adoption is like how, without giving away like, uh, any metrics you're not comfortable with, like how often do you see repeat customers on more of the personal level, I guess, um, as opposed yeah, to, that's I, I could see the, I could see the corporate stuff kind of becoming its own little network, but those right. people who, who didn't call up and say, Hey, you guys are taking too long. Um, how often do you guys get those guys coming back? Significantly. Um, a lot of people are coming back. So yeah. we have about a returning customer rate of 38%. Um, so a lot of people come back to us. They're very satisfied with their programs. We have a loyalty program that gives them um, pretty large incentives to come back and shop with us. Um, and on top of that, we're quick with our service. Um, you know, I'm not the guys that think we're same day, but uh, we're usually shipping within 24 hours. Orders usually get delivered within two to three days. Um, and beyond that, we have a very fast growing selection with a lot of products. Um, priced very aggressively to other competitors in the market. And we really care for our customers. When something happens, <clears throat> like a package is lost or broken, we really do take care of that. And even if it's, you know, an expensive order, we'll take care of it, you know, for the most part. We do our diligence and make sure that we're not getting scammed. But um, for the most part, we're taking care of every single problem a customer has. So if you look at, we, we, we've never hidden a review on our site ever. We're kind of taking the Amazon approach there we still have a 4.9 out of five stars on average. So we have a lot of people that are just very satisfied and that's across 3000 reviews. So a lot of people are very satisfied with our, uh, with our service. Got you. Um, yeah. I was going to ask a little bit about repeat customers too, because uh, it seems like, I mean, it, it's kind of like you got a little bit of a head start by launching when you did. Um, is it, yeah, I mean, where like, did you even have a focus on that at first? Like, were you even worried about getting people to come back? Did you, like, when did, at what point, I, this sounds like a weird question. I guess you had an e-commerce background, so maybe you did right away. But like, at what point did you implement like, like a regular email marketing program or, or, or SMS marketing program? Was it right away or did, was it like things were so good right away, you didn't have to do it for a while? So right away, I wanted to, in, in a normal setting, I would have. But right. because we didn't know what was happening with COVID, I mean, you got to think March 2020, like yeah. where our were. I was just putting out small fire after small fire. And our fires were pretty big because we didn't expect the demand when we started. So we didn't have the space. We didn't have the infrastructure. We didn't have the products. So it was just like putting out those small fires. And then before we knew it, it was Christmas. And Christmas 2020 was fucking insane. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. No, you're good. Yep. You're, it was yep. crazy. Um, and, and then so when... When that happened, I was like, okay, we need to really nail down uh, how to make this work. And at, looking back on it, Christmas 2020 was insane. And we didn't have an email program. We didn't have SMS. We didn't have loyalty. We didn't have affiliate. We had none of that. We didn't have SEO. We had none of that. It was straight PPC and it was fucking crazy. Um, so then right away, January 1st, 2021, was when I contacted Clavio, uh, SMS bump. Um, I got our loyalty program up with Yapo. It was, there was so much thing. Uh, initiatives that we had out of 2021 to where the first six months of that uh, 
uh, 20 of that year, I was so busy. It was like yeah. every single day I had a new program launching or a new meeting to kind of discuss how we're going to nail down our customers. And 2021 was great. We had 200% growth year over year from 2020. Um, and that was great considering the things that were happening around the world and how COVID restrictions were, were loosening up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you launched in March for people doing math, you launched in March in Christmas, you had a great month in December and right. January, November, December. Yeah. And you did not nine months after your launch did not have an email and SMS program in place to like really even try and drive repeat customers, uh, which is insane. I mean, it sounds crazy. Like you said, you would have in a normal setting, but it was like, you know, that I, I think that, uh, my, like the, the takeaway there is a lot of times I think done is better than perfect. Like, and, and, uh, priorities, right? Like, I think everybody's like, you know, uh, doesn't think about opportunity costs. Like, of course you should get email in place. Of course you should get SMS in place. And I'm not sitting here advising people not to do that, but it's like a really good to anybody who's, you know, an e-commerce person at all. That probably sounds insane that you didn't have that in place, you know, nine months in, but I'm like priorities, the top priorities, like were different. And, and those, those things, email, SMS, they did not represent as big of an impact item as, as some of the other stuff that you were doing, right? It's not like you didn't know what you were doing. You knew you were purposely deprioritizing that stuff. And I think that's like a, a really good lesson for e-com operators, e-com founders, because uh, a lot of times they're just like, need feel like they need to do everything. And I think not like, not everything is always all that impactful, important, important to the business. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, if I can go back in time, and do yeah. that from the go. I still would have. So yeah, it was I just mean, maybe it should have like just hired uh, somebody to do it for you or something. Right. Yeah, right. There's a there's a separation between what we decide in our brains. Like these things are all all equally important. Yeah. But then right. when rubber meets the road, you find out like, hey, we've got to prioritize things, and those you things gotta... don't always fit perfectly into like the the grand schematics of how you should be doing things. You know. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, there's like there's only so many hours in the day, honestly, and and. Uh, you say if you could go back, you would, but I think you would with hindsight, but I don't think you'd do it any different if you actually went back and you didn't have the hindsight because at the time you didn't, you didn't know if this was just like, Hey, we're riding a trend We're you know, it's a quick cash grab and then we're moving on. Yeah. You know, like you didn't know any of that. So I think, uh, yeah, if you go back in hindsight, of course, but like, if you, if you don't have hindsight and I think you do it exactly the same. You know? And it doesn't yeah. sound like you guys are sitting in a bad spot as it is. So, right. Yeah. I would say um, for those like first eight months up until like November, I was like, I have a cash cow, you know, like it's oh, just, yeah. I have a way to make money, a lot of money. Right. You didn't necessarily think of it as a brand. You're like, I'm, I'm making money. Yeah. Right. And then December came along and we had that month and then I was like, okay, I have a brand. Like this is uh -huh. something that is crazy because we had a crazy month in December, but then the following January, which is usually slow for everybody else in e-commerce was higher than any other month that we had in 2020 besides December. Yeah. So we were still receiving a lot of growth because we had so much traction in that month of December. So yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the few markets where people will buy it in Q4 and they'll right. just keep on buying it in Q1, right. you know, right. like, uh, it, it, like, and I don't know, that's a good, th that's probably one of the upsides of your market is the seasonality probably isn't as extreme as it is in some other markets. People are buying for self and for others, you know, Right. Um, okay, so, I have one. I have one thing yeah, here. It, we do this from time to time, and John mentioned it early in the episode, so I feel like I have to go to this a little bit. Um, he mentioned sports, 
And Marvin, we haven't talked before. I don't know if you're a sports fan exactly. But one thing we like to do on this show is take metaphors from like, you know, John and I were both big into sports growing up. We've taken like lessons we've learned from sports that we've adapted to uh, e-commerce. And if you're not a sports fan, maybe it's just any any walk of life that you learned a lesson that you translate. Yeah, music, whatever to you're into. Yeah. Um, not to put you on the spot, but do you have anything like that, that that you would like to share with our audience today? So growing up, I was about like 110 pounds heavier than I currently am. So I was always a big boy. So it's not that I didn't like sports, it's that I couldn't play them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or I couldn't play them well. But my brothers were always very active in all types of sports and they were very disciplined. So I've always admired the discipline that athletes have in general for any uh, sport or field that they're in. Yeah. So I think that I, seeing how disciplined some of the, you know, GOAT players like Kobe Bryant um, are and, and how they've achieved what they've achieved just by using their mind in a positive mental attitude has really changed my perspective on everything and has made me appreciate their line of work a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't let you, uh, if, if you mention a basketball one, I got to kick it over to John. John, what do you yeah. want to say about No, I mean, I think that was, uh, I think that's good. I, I think, um, you know, my takeaway here is that like, look, like in, and this is just true of, if you look at any championship run, right? Like go back over any championship run ever and look at the circumstances throughout like i mean i'll take one i'll just pull one out of the air okay so uh 2019 the toronto raptors won the nba finals like the series of events there like Kawhi had a ridiculous shot in game seven against the 76ers that like he shouldn't have got that bounce but it went in and he and they won that series. like they shouldn't even they maybe that shouldn't have been nuts that's one of the few things i actually in. know john that's they shouldn't have even maybe been in the finals to be honest and then in and then we get an injured kd we get an injured clay thompson and they win a championship and i'm not saying they wouldn't have without that but they had that and then aside from that they did this like crazy blockbuster tra trade for Kawhi earlier in the year like the precipitating series of events for them to win a ring like i'm not saying they didn't deserve it by any means but that's if you look at any championship run that's how it is there's timing and there's a little bit of luck and uh you know, and I think that this is, you know, there was some timing here. You didn't know what COVID was going to be. You guys were probably prepping to launch this long before you ever even heard of COVID. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, hey, we're going to launch this thing. We didn't know if there was going to be demand. There just happened to be because of the timing of when you launched. And then you were able to, like, use that as a springboard into something. And so, yeah, I mean, look, there's there's some stuff. Like, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest things in sports. Like, you know, sometimes the shots don't go in. Uh, and sometimes they just do and you can't miss and you can't do anything wrong and it, you know, and it just, and it works. And, uh, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. And now I'm not, I'm not saying it's all luck because, uh, like, you know, players, somebody doesn't get hot and hit every shot unless they have put in enough time to just be able to be in that flow and, and have enough knowledge to be able to be in that, Isn't um, like Greatness equals like uh, preparedness. Greatness and, and preparedness and opportunity. But I mean, sometimes that stuff's all there and the luck isn't there as well, or the things don't go your way or the shot doesn't fall or whatever. Um, and that's okay. So I think that like, if I were to give a takeaway here is this like, just put yourself, like keep doing all of those things that put you in position, right? Like the Toronto right. Raptors had to do a lot of work, but they got a little lucky and they got like, you know, so it's, I mean, it, it's all of it. Things don't go their way 
they try, they run it back. They try to get right. Like just keep doing all that stuff to put yourself in position. And when the shots don't fall, don't worry about it too much. Just kind of keep doing that. Um, that's kind of my takeaway here. Like, I think this was like a big time, this business was like a big time hit for you, a big time shot that just went in. Um, and it, you, you know, and it's kind of like, you've able, been able, then you've done all the right stuff to be able to leverage that to keep growing it. Um, so, so yeah, that's the other part is when you get that momentum, you know, take advantage for sure. Right. right. Well said. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on Marvin. Uh, we'll wrap up now with a little bit of a, a TLDR kind of a parting shot, giving you a second to think about this. Um, but the, the point of this is just to say, you know, Hey, you know, a lot of times this is the clip we put right at the beginning. Um, a point of this is, is kind of to say, you know, if you were, if there was kind of like one thing that, that really stuck out to you in this conversation, one thing that, um, you think people should take away or you think that, you know, you have in value to give people or, or that they should learn from you, um, or, or from your business kind of, what is that? Um, so yeah, I'll kick it to you. What do you think? That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I were to leave somebody with one piece of advice from something I've learned growing this specific business, it would be yeah. focus on building a brand. Um, there's, you can make money in a lot of ways. You can make money gambling. You can make money, you know, selling water on the street. But if you build a brand and um, you want to sell water, build a Fiji. Don't build, you know, some crystal geyser. No hate to crystal geyser, but when you come, kind of compare <laughs> you these two, you when you compare these to um they're very different obviously you're going to pick up the fiji anytime and fiji has done a really good job about, about building a brand and pioneering advertising a simple thing like water so um really focus on that and nail not only the visual aspect but the community aspect and kind of building your own unique tribe yeah my favorite part about that was that you had those two different water brands like on the desk ready to go like that was just fantastic we didn't even script that. You just had it. Uh, cool. Well, Marvin, uh, it's been a good time. Uh, been fun learning about the liquor game, the D2C liquor game especially. Um, but, yeah, thank you for being on. And, uh, Casey, take us out. Say the YouTube things. All right, Modern Commerce, thank you for watching this far into our episode. If you did, I hope you liked it. Um, so please go ahead and drop a like onto this video. Also, don't forget to subscribe. That will signal to YouTube that people like you should be suggested our videos as well. And if you hit the notification bell next to the subscribe button, you'll also be notified anytime we drop new content onto our channel. So make sure you do that. You don't wanna miss out. Uh, as always, until next time, We'll see ya. Hey, ModCom, this episode was brought to you by Pencil. I'm a creative strategist at the agency that John and I work at. If you happen to be a creative strategist or you're just having a hard time rolling out enough new creatives for testing, then I have the perfect solution for you. It's trypencil.com. Over at Pencil, the AI will help you determine what your best performers are. It'll even break it down into what elements of those best performers are helping making those ads go. And it'll also take those elements and create whole new ads for you to push live straight from their platform right over to Facebook and IG. So go to trypencil.com if you want to use this and use the promo code modcom15 to save 15% off any paid plan they have over there. You can always start with a free plan. Uh, go ahead. Actually, I recommend it even, but we're confident you're going to want to upgrade as soon as you try it out. So just remember to go to trypencil.com, use the promo code modcom15 to save 15% off of any plan and thank you for tuning in to Modern Commerce.